A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 19. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why are you staring at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith, in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man, whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him his perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers also did. But the things which God previously announced by the mouths of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled in this way. Therefore repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. A reading from the epistle of John, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. See how great a love the Father has given us, that we would be called children of God, and in fact we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope set on him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him sins continually. No one who sins continually has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. A reading from the gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 48. Now, while they were telling these things, Jesus himself suddenly stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were looking at a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you frightened? And why, why are doubts arising in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, 
that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you plainly see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and astonishment, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They served him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate it in front of them. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, So it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let's pray and then we'll get started. Uh, Father, we glorify your son, Jesus Christ, through the reading of your word. We pray for uh, the scripture readings that you have uh, given us today, that they would go deep into our hearts, just like a seed planted and produce fruit, Lord, that we can water and we can till and, and we can do uh, and we can plant the seed, but Lord, only you can give the growth. So we trust in your promises that you love to give growth to your children. Amen. Amen. So this is the scripture readings for the third Sunday in Easter, and there are how many Sundays? Seven. Seven, Seven Sundays in Easter this year. I'm sure at some point there could be eight. Uh, there probably is eight on some years, but this year there's eight, or there's seven. And so on the third Sunday of Eastertide, and we've got our scripture readings, if you look at your outlines, uh, as usual, back to the normal format, we are not doing the Psalms, Acts, First John, and Luke. And so we're going to talk about uh, two main topics in these scripture readings. Uh, one is sanctification, and the other is evangelism, witnessing, um, which is uh, really a meta-narrative of all scripture. And so... Um, just like we talked a little bit about last week, there's the historic narrative that's teaching us things uh, through history and the story, and then there's imperatives. And so we have those imperatives and the uh, overarching narrative to help us today. And so simply, when we read that Acts uh, passage about the, uh, it's Peter and John, right, that are at the temple at the hour of prayer, and they see a lame man, and he's asking for money. And uh, they said, we don't have any money, but what we do have you is we'll uh, heal you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Get up, grab your mat, walk. And that's where our scripture reading starts off is um, uh, that after that healing, that is an opportunity for Peter to preach, evangelize, and spread the gospel and call people to repentance, mm -hmm. right? I even like 
uh, I love the grace of God because if you were in Jerusalem, just imagine yourself in like Peter's shoes and kind of the character Peter had. He's always like quick with his words. He's always quick uh, to jump in and, um, you know, sometimes try to correct Jesus, you know, in some instances. And uh, he's got a great opportunity to, to tell the Pharisees, look, I got you, finally. <laughs> You're the guys are the one that killed Jesus and I get to tell you. And I love, I just love the line in there um, in the verse that says like, these things you did in ignorance, but now is the time of repentance. He's not saying, look, we got you. The Lord's coming with judgment and he's going to get you because you knew what you were doing. Uh, he understands the grace of God and he uh, in grace preaches that they were destined. He knew that they were destined to do those things. You could read about that. Um, we'll talk about Psalm 22 when we get to the uh, gospel reading. But uh, that they were foreknown, predestined, and even ordained to kill the Lord. Uh, yet they're culpable, so they have to repent. Uh, yet they were also ignorant, and so he's uh, uh, extending grace, right? And so uh, the meta narrative, the theme here is that he could have just said that, like, he was healed by the name of Jesus and. Um, gone about his way, and he said, you know, but he used that as an opportunity to witness, to evangelize, right, to, to spread the kingdom. Uh, if we remember the kind of, we did it in RCF like four years ago or something. We looked at the book of Acts, um, chapter by chapter, sometimes half a chapter by half a chapter, and we looked through the entire book of Acts over the course of a semester, or maybe two, through uh, the lens of Acts 1.8 where Jesus says, uh, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so that's the direct mission that Peter has in his mind, right? The Christ has risen, uh, spends 40 days talking about the kingdom, and the prime objective here is to be my witnesses in all the earth. And so... Uh, that's not, if you were to go to any church in America today, uh, I would say 99.99% of churches, including ours, that is not the, the main objective of the church. Uh, they have, we have outreach. There's a lot of, this is something that we particularly need growth in, um, and probably maybe the most, uh, you know, on, maybe on my opinion, but um, that's the prime objective of Christ's church and his kingdom to, um, not just when we think of like Matthew 18, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, when, you know, he's talking about the church is going to push back the gates of hell. Uh, we often think about like that in my personal pietistic life of how I'm going to be sanctified. And that's true. Uh, that, um, you know, the Luke passage, um, I'm sorry, the first John passage talks about us being God's children and then we should act accordingly. And, but that's true for us individually, but that's also true for us corporately. First uh, John 5, 17, or I'm sorry, 19, uh, talks about that we know that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, uh, but we are, uh, I think it says of the beloved or something. And so, not just in our own personal sanctification is our goal to push back the gates of hell, but in the world, 
we're supposed to be going out and pushing back the gates of hell in every sector of earth. And uh, that's what Jesus called us to. That's what we should be doing. And so we're called to be a city, a family, an army uh, that is supposed to grow. Uh, we see that in the end of our Luke passage where he says that um, the repentance for sins uh, will be proclaimed in, in all the nations. That's the goal, right? And so we're, you know, if you tie a lot of biblical themes together. So it's not just that we're going to preach it and we're going to fail, but we got to say it in every nation and then we fulfilled our mission. And just like I do it at work, I kind of was like, well, I'm supposed to do this, but I'll do it kind of haphazardly and get it done to just do it because my boss told me to, right? That's not what Jesus is calling us to do. That's not his expectation. When he expects us to preach repentance in every nation, there's going to be repentance in every nation, right? Is it Isaiah... 55 that says his word will not return void. Is that Jeremiah? Isaiah. Is that Isaiah 55? Must be Jeremiah, the one I'm thinking. That's the rock. Then. I always get those con- confused in the hammer. And so Isaiah 55 says very clearly that his word will not return void. And so that's just not his scriptures going out and being effective in our lives and communities. That means wherever the word's going, it's not going to return empty. There's always going to be an effect. There's going to be something happen, right? And so when we preach repentance uh, and the gospel in every nation, there will be an effect. Uh, In our dying, slowly crumbling nation, uh, maybe in modern uh, modernity, the uh, crumbling is happening a little bit faster. Uh, Think about like like a cookie, like a a nice soft or a nice um, crunchy butter cookie. Yes. If you dip it in milk, it like falls apart like super fast. And we just get, we, we got dunked in milk recently. And so we're just falling apart a little bit faster than, than normal. Uh, or at least that's just the way it seems. And so even in our nation, uh, we would expect there to be a return on God's word when we preach it in our community, in our church, in our nation, wherever. Um, and so uh, before we go on to the kind of talk more specifically about the other two passages, uh, I would just preface in here that I think us as a church, if you look at the fivefold ministry uh, in Ephesians 4:11 of apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, and evangelists, and uh, we have uh, extended that with Romans 12 to be helps and administrations in our gift series, and we call those the service gifts of of those are the giftings that are ordained through Christ. It says specifically in Ephesians 4:11 that that these gifts were given to the church when Christ rose on high, uh, quoting, I think, a psalm is what Paul's doing. And, uh, and those are to serve one another for the work, for the upbuilding of the saints, for the, to, for the work of ministry. And so an evangelist is just somebody who does two things. Does anybody know what one of them is? Evangelizes, Wow. <laughs> Words do really have meaning. <laughs> they really do mean something. Uh, and the second, so an evangelist evangelized. They're probably good and effective at it. But in direct context of those verses is an evangelist is equipping other people to evangelize. And so um, we only see Philip in the scriptures is called an evangelist. And so we don't have a, a, a rubric or a matrix exactly go off of like we do 
uh, a shepherd, because uh, we have multiple instances of shepherds, Christ being called the, sh the, uh, uh, the proto-shepherd, the, uh, the example of a shepherd, but uh, Christ is also the proto-evangelist. Um, and we have multiple other examples, actually, like through Noah and Elijah um, and many others uh, throughout the scriptures. And so... Um, an evangelist also just heightens the community's awareness to evangelize. And so uh, we were recently in a, in a staff meeting. Uh, sometimes we do that. It's like once every two years. And we talk about various things. And that was one that we were just filling out like a, a ministry organization sheet just to see like who does what and kind of fit them in where. And um, I stayed for most of the meeting, and I think the only one, at least while I was there, we saw that we were like, oh, we don't really have anybody that does this, is the person that kind of heads up evangelism, right? Maybe those other things when I left that were left blank. No? Okay. And so we don't really have anybody in our community that really does that. And so that's something to be aware of. Like, that's a huge need that we need. We should be praying for that. You should be looking on how you can evangelize, or maybe that's you. Uh, if you had a burden for that, maybe the Lord's calling you. Um, and so there's multiple other precedences in Scripture of like um, serving elders and deacons in such a way that they could be useful and open for ministry. Um, I would just ask everyone, first of all, just to take a step back and to pray that someone would... Uh, that the Lord would call somebody and equip them to be that position here in our community. That'd be the first place to start. Because um, that's, we're missing, if, if, that's, if we just limited it to the fivefold ministry, that's 20% of service gifts that we're missing. Uh, I don't know how to do math that well, so anybody know what one-seventh is percentage-wise? Alyssa, I'm going to call on you. Do you have a calculator? <laughs> it's less than 20, but it's more than 10. Anybody with a calculator. I know your high school teachers told you you never have calculators in your pockets, but you do. About it's about 14%. Thank you, Sydney. Uh, so we're missing somewhere between 20 and 14% of the service gifts. And if we examine the other ones, then we might be missing more. And so that's a huge need, um, especially because... Uh, uh, I didn't pull up the Deuteronomy passage, but maybe anybody can yell it out. I think it's in Deuteronomy 4-ish. Uh, could be Deuteronomy 6 to 8. I don't remember. Um, but the whole uh, tenet or meta-narrative or calling that Israel had was to not just be God's special people, but to be a special people on the earth to witness to the other nations. That's like one of their prime callings. Um, John Luke will find it. When you find it, just shout it out. and Maybe you can just read it. Um, but, and so Romans 9 says that we are the Israel of God. We're the true sons of Abraham. And so that is our calling. Uh, I, I'll actually just read Ephesians 2 real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. It's First Peter. Wrong book. It's First. 
What's it say? Exodus 19, 1 through 6. Uh, that's part of it, but I think it's a Deuteronomy passage that talks about being a witness to the other nations. But I'm glad you read that because that's, I was going to read out of 1 Peter 2 that says, you are a chosen race, a royal, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, same, quoting the verse, uh, that you may procla- proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, right? That's what Peter is identifying, that he has called you as a holy race to proclaim something. He doesn't say you're a chosen race, a royal priest, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may sit up and be really pietistic and read lots of the scriptures in your home privately and never tell anybody and maybe proclaim in your house where nobody can hear and you feel comfortable. Uh, That's not what it says, right? It's a proclamation. We are to proclaim his excellencies, right? That's what Peter's doing in Acts after he uh, heals the, the lame guy. And he uses that as an opportunity to proclaim the excellencies of, you're the ones like, to the people that killed Christ, right? He's saying, this is how excellent the Lord is. Uh, you killed him. Times of ignorance have passed, and now's the time to repent. He's extending his hand and his grace to you, right? That's a pretty excellent thing, if you ask me. Um, I've never killed anybody physically that I know of. Uh, if I have, let me know. Um, but uh, if someone then proclaimed to me the forgiveness and a chance for grace and repentance and to be healed and absolved of that, that sin or trespass, that would be something excellent to proclaim. Um, Peter even says that later in the chapter, uh, in the next verse, actually. And so that is a fundamental piece of a community of what we're supposed to do. And it's, I'm just going to step it out there and say that's my belief, just as if we, just that we do a good job of like serving the elders and the deacons and people that do ministry to help them serve more and raise other people up. Uh, if we had someone in that position, it would be worthwhile to, to serve them, to understand their heart, to help their ministry, because all other ministries help us grow internally in character um, and godliness and sanctification and knowledge. Um, but the, uh, directly, that's as in direct context. Uh, obviously, the shepherds actually help us grow numerically too sometimes. But the evangelist is the only one that helps us grow numerically to take new ground and, and heightens the community's awareness to do that. And so please, please, please begin praying that we would, that the Lord would raise somebody up. Um, that is one of our prime callings. So let's jump to the Luke passage uh, where Jesus is, is giving the same idea uh, after, after he talks a little bit. So Luke 24, I'll reread a part of it. Uh, Our scripture verses are 36 through 48. 
But just to give a little bit of context, um, or just to add a little bit more, which is maybe a little bit uh, more when we talk about sanctification. Excuse me. When Jesus comes in, uh, they're in fear because they're in disbelief. That's what verse 36 says, or relates. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. It's an exclamation point. Maybe he's saying, Peace be to you. Do it. I don't know. Maybe he's just excited. I don't know his inflection on it. But uh, maybe it's an imperative command. Uh, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Uh, some translations say a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Right? He says, seize my hands. And because fear and disbelief are always related, because they knew the promises, uh, he had to then, after that, open their minds to understand the scriptures because they didn't understand them. Right? And so when we fear, it's in a direct correlation to disbelief or mistrust. Because if you look at God's promises, um, they are direct correlation to uh, what Jesus is talking about. They're afraid for the Jews attacking them. They're afraid because Jesus just uh, came through a wall and appeared among them, and they thought it was a ghost, uh, right? But he's talking about later in the uh, verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And so if they understood the scriptures, they would have probably done something like, in the meantime, uh, in the three days when uh, Jesus, is, Jesus was dead and his body was in the tomb, uh, they probably would have been sitting at home, praising God, worshiping ecstatically because they knew he was about to get resurrected because all the prophets, all the Psalms, all the Old Testament prophesied about it, but they didn't have understanding. They didn't have uh, belief in that, right? And that related to their fear. So fear and disbelief are always related, right? Has anybody, like, I've been in times where I've been, like, so anxious, anxiety, fear, these are all, like, related, been so anxious that, like, I'm actually shaking. Has anybody ever been like that anxious or, or scared? And it's really hard to, um, like when you have like a bodily natural reaction when it's that deep. Um, I don't remember if it was in this reading, maybe it was in the John reading from last week where it says that they were physically trembling. Like that's a pretty deep level of fear. Uh, sometimes I'll actually just be like getting ready. If I'm, I'm not too worried about Wednesdays because... Not that I think lower of you guys, but I'm not that usually nervous on Wednesdays. But I'm like, oh man, Sundays are like real. And I'm like, sometimes I'll be like, like I'll see my hand shaking a little bit. I'm like, oh man, get it together, Stephen. You can do this. It's it's just people. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, I mean, it'd be okay if I was like in trepidation that like I'm going to preach the word correctly or do something, and I might like misspeak something inaccurately. But it's fear of like. There's a lot of people, uh, a lot of other people made in God's image that are no better than me, and I'm no better than them, and they're going to think about me, and whatever, uh, right? There's, like, there's no actual logical uh, reason to be anxious about that. That's a, that's a human fear, 
And so I've been in situations where uh, I've been like, you know, um, so fearful or nervous or anxious that's like your body reacts, right? And it's, it's very hard, but we're going to get to um, what you should do, uh, which is not submit to your disbelief and your fear. And so anyways, um, Jesus then says that I'm, sending, I'm going to send the promise of my Father and that, uh, he, that pro- proclamation in his name, forgiveness of sins, is going to go to all nations. So everybody should be familiar with Psalm 22. Let's turn there real quick, and then we'll go to 1 John for the last four minutes. How do we do this? Uh, so Psalm 22, just to read it in context, obviously this is, it's a really rich psalm, prophetic psalm. Surely Jesus is at least talking about this psalm, but he's talking about all the psalms. Um, Jesus even quotes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, Many bulls encompass me, they surround me, verse 12. Uh, Verse 16 is the only passage we get besides Jesus showing him his hands and his feet that we understand that his hands and his feet were pierced. Uh, 16, it says, they have pierced my hands and my feet. Uh, 18, they divide my garments among them, right? These are all things that we know happened. And then you get to verse 22, I will tell of your name to my brothers. That's where Jesus is resurrected. He's starting to begin that. And then you get to verse 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Right? There's no... uh, there's nothing in between verse 26 and 27 that says, and then Jesus' final return comes and then that'll happen, right? Um, even verse 28, for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over all nations. Uh, Habakkuk 2.14 says, as uh, the waters cover the sea, so will the knowledge of the glory of God cover the earth. And so say this all the time, if I talk about that passage, because it's the only insight I have, is that how much does the water cover the sea? The water is the sea, so it's always 100%. Uh, if the sea recedes 1,000 yards, it's still all water. And so it's always 100%. And so uh, the knowledge of the glory of God is going to cover the earth in that manner. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. And so I don't think that means everyone's becoming a Christian by the time Christ's second coming and his final return, uh, but all nations uh, will know the glory of God and all nations will be infiltrated with a uh, restored Christianity. But that only comes through witnessing, that only comes through evangelism, that only comes through proclamation, that only comes through the church growing, and that only comes through people witnessing in various aspects. And so, um, that's our job. Do it. Uh, First John passage, in the last two minutes, uh, we have a couple imperatives that I just want to look at. I just read First Peter today, so I was going to talk a lot about First Peter. It's really easy to get up here and just talk about what you read today instead of the scripture readings because it's just easier. Um, so First John 3, 1 through 7. I just want to point out, see what kind of love, verse, verse 1, see what kind of love 
the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Skip to verse 3. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And so I just want to make it a point in the last minute or two uh, about sanctification. Um, I guess I, I am going to talk about First Peter just for a minute. Is uh, that we, our sanctification is based on our hope, on God's promises, on his word. And it says everyone who thus has this hope that Jesus was resurrected pure, that we'll have bodies like his, that we'll be with him forever, is then we thus then have a hope to cling onto and a reason to uh, purify ourselves as he is pure, just in the same manner. He didn't do anything that he doesn't expect us to do. And since we are his children, we gain a nature like his. And so uh, I do believe in progressive sanctification that your entire Christian life should look, if you just like zoom out a little bit, because I'm sure like if you look at it like by the minute, it's like going up and down. But if you take a large scale, it should be con a continuing. That's, I don't even know if that's going the right way for you guys. Let's go this way. <laughs> Continually going up. I think it's supposed to be a... Um, I think in, even in Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, it was a graph that looked like this. Like here's like unregenerate, unregenerate, unregenerate. Okay, regeneration happens. Here's life. And then here's death. And then it like shoots up infinitely. Uh, if you like graphs. That was a good one. And so... Uh, that's our calling. I do want to just bring out 1 Peter real quick of how do we do that? Uh, we, our biggest fault in this is we always want to just like think about what are some practical steps? What do I need to do next? But that's not how it works. Uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully. Oh, that sounds a lot like what Jesus was talking about, all the prophets and psalms and law being of him. Uh, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. Oh, it sounds a lot like what Jesus said in Luke 24. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Right? So he's saying, set your minds fully on and hope in the grace that will be given to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as dearly beloved children, then, we, then comes obedience. So sanctification always happens in a deeper relationship with Christ, a deeper revelation with Christ, a deeper knowledge of Christ. It can't happen any other way. If we thought it did, if we thought we overcame some kind of like emotional struggle or, um, or whatever or some particular sin and we were doing better for a while because we put up these, these blockades or something, surely that could be beneficial, but that never lasts. It never does. 
and everyone, everyone's testimony that I've ever heard for long-term sanctification and putting away besetting sins, uh, it testifies to the truth of Scripture that it's always growing in a deeper love, knowledge, and revelation of Jesus Christ. Because that's what God says, and there's no other way. There's no reason for me to purify myself uh, if it's just because I don't like the sin. What I normally do, which isn't a good, uh, a good way to go about it, is if, you don't, if a certain sin makes you feel bad, learn how to feel good about that sin, and then you don't feel bad. <laughs> That's an easier way than trying to like, go through all these, jump through all these hoops and things to stop because you want to do it anyways. And why fight it? Learn to love it. Right? That would be an easier way if we were going to do it by our own strength. But that's not what the Lord calls us to do. The closer we grow and get a deeper revelation and knowledge of Christ, we will have deeper um, hearts to want to be pure as he is pure. And he will give us the strength. And it always comes. Uh, and we could talk about that for the rest of our lives, and we should. Uh, but that's it for tonight. Uh, so as we worship, let me uh, close this in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, Purify us through your word. Sanctify us through your word because your word is truth. Set us free, Lord. Make us uh, true disciples of your word. Deepen our knowledge of you by the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would uh, deepen everyone's experience here with you, Lord Jesus, tonight as we worship. Amen.